0: Welcome to the conversation room, where conversations are free, minds are free, dialogue is open. Join me in the conversation room. Star Tupac Shakur is in a hospital, recovering from serious gunshot wounds, as a New York jury deliberates his fate regarding sexual abuse charges.
1: I mean, that's what kills me. It's like every time I think this is it, and I go all out to beat that, I win or I lose and then I come into the next one, it's just worse, it's yeah. even worse. Like, it's like a, a like the Twilight Zone, cause it's like some evil, unstoppable shit that it just won't let me go. Mm-hmm. It's just got his hands on me and it just wanna see me fail. He
2: knew, like, it's gonna come one day where when I start putting out this, besides Brenda's got a baby, their mama, and when I get really, like, political on them, I'ma be a target, and then what hurt him the worst is like the New York incident where he got robbed in a studio. The Quad Studios. Yeah, he just he, he's like, man, I, for all I do and rep, represent for my people, I just never thought my own people would shoot me.
1: When a white guy pulled a gun on me, I was prepared. You know what I mean? I like, I'm, I'm, I'm to react. I'm when a us. nigga pulled a gun on me, I like froze up. Like, oh shit, a nigga gonna kill me. When them dudes put out the pistols to me Man, who was that, man? It was these fools from New York This gang out there called A-Team These fools was mad Because I I told them I wasn't fucking with them no more See the girl that did this rape shit? She hooked up with the niggas that shot me Oh, is that right? It's all connected it was a big plan. I just caught it, like, at the end, and that's why they shot me. Man, hey, man, you got to stay
3: up, man. When you when
4: you step through that, that way, man, you got to be on point. Bro. I ain't
3: going through there no more. If I do, I'm going with 100 motherfuckers. Yeah, I'll be one of them. Yeah, no doubt. No out. We, we can't
5: be having you not here. You had mentioned that when Pac was in the hospital, he felt like the doctors were going to poison him mm-hmm. through, through the needles and, and stuff like that. He just became really paranoid.
2: Yeah, I mean... Mama Feeney was like, when I came to the hospital, she like, yo, please talk to him. He, they saying if he leave, he wants to check himself out, an infection could kill him. So I said, all right, Mama, I'm going to come talk to him. So when I came up in, he was like, I know
5: what you're going to say, fuck that, I need to go. I said, all right, we're going to go. I heard there was an actress that he stayed with right after the hospital. Did you know who that was?
2: No, if I did, I wouldn't say it. Okay.
0: No, I ran off to the hospital, like, no matter what's going on, I'm still here for you. And I love you, I care. So I was there, but I got there too late.
1: So you heard about the Quad studio shooting. A day later, you went to the hospital to try to see Tupac. But once you got there, Tupac wasn't there. If I'm not mistaken, Tupac went to Jasmine Godhouse, right? Right after he left the hospital.
0: First of all, he was shot five times. Somebody wanted him dead. And walking around knowing that yeah. really affected Tupac's spirit. Yeah, um, there was fear. Yeah, there was a lot of mistrust. Almost like anybody involved with his recuperation had to go underground to even deal because nobody had to could know anything because he was he was sure the people that shot him knew him that it mm-hmm. wasn't a random mugging. Not five, no. not five shots. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to stay in the hospital or at his girlfriend's house, so. Um, they called me to see if I could keep him while he was convalescing from the the wound, and he didn't he didn't feel safe sitting up in the hospital bed. Tupac Shakur has been sentenced to a maximum of four-and-a-half years in prison for sexually abusing a fan. A state judge in New York condemned 23-year-old, the 23-year-old rapper for his, quote, arrogant abuse of the victim and crimes he said had escalated as Shakur's career progressed.
6: Once he was in jail, though, uh, they put him in solitary confinement. Yeah. They used all forms of uh, uh, tactics that are called by Amnesty International penal coercion tactics mm-hmm. to mess his head up. So most of our population uh, probably still believes that Tupac was some gangster who, uh, you know, got killed because of a gang rift or because of this, you know, what I call manufactured East Coast versus West Coast rap rivalry.
1: I worked hard all my life as far as this music business to make it East Coast, West Coast love and make everybody feel comfortable. And I dreamed of the days when I can go to New York and be comfortable and they can come out here and be comfortable. So it's not like, I'm, I'm, when people say, why are you doing it so East Coast? It's not like, it's it's not silly at all, mm-hmm. but you can't disrespect the love. You can't
0: disrespect the peace treaty. I bumped into stretch in the club one night and he was like, oh, Dad, what's up? Cause I knew him. You know, I met him from day one when I met Pac, he was there. And, you know, I would always see him. He tells me that uh, Pac, he sure Pac would love to know that he ran into me because we lost contact and he had no way of getting in contact with me. I said, okay. So I gave him my phone number. I told him, call me. He called me, told me he had a message for me from Pac, you know. So I said, come through. I'm living in Brooklyn and Best at the time. I'm like, come through. This man shows up to my house with some dudes from Junior Mafia and some dudes from Bedford Avenue. And I'm just like, okay, because from what I'm getting, I haven't spoke to Pac, but, you know, the radio interviews and what's going on, the, the atmosphere is that there's a problem between Big and Pac, that Pac feels like, you know, Big has something to do with him getting shot in that thing. So I'm not really knowing what's going on here at this point, but that already looked fishy to me. That Stretch comes under the pretense that he got a message for me from Pac. There's no message, though. It's just him trying to holler at me, you know, and that was the second flag. So, you know, after I spoke to him for a little while, I shut him down, told him that wasn't going to happen. You know, that prompted me to contact Pac, because I'm like, this is your boy. What's he doing with your enemy's people? And why is he trying to holler at me?
6: Uh there was anonymous letters going back and forth. There was uh strangers making uh outrageous accusations. And uh and so yeah, Tupac started believing some of this stuff um at first and then you know, by the end of his life he didn't believe it anymore. He realized uh that in his last album, uh Machiavelli
0: yeah.
6: had a song called Against All Odds where he says, let me, you know, uh tell you about this snitch, you know, I mean an FBI agent named Haitian Jack knew he was working for the feds, of course Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI, uh, set me up and wet me up. Yeah. And the set him up was for the sexual assault scene and that wet me up was of course shot him at New York recording studio lobby because it was an associate of Agnet, of Jacques Agnant, Haitian Jacques Agnant, that uh, lured Tupac to that New York recording studio lobby where he was shot. Um, there's, uh, I have a doctor's affidavit copied in my book. Showing that there was two bullet hole, uh, entry wounds in the back of the skull and two exit wounds in the front of the skull, yeah. and he just bare those bullets barely missed his brain. They uh, they suspected they suspected that, for example, Haitian Jacques Ignant was bad news, and they told Tupac, you know, we're not sure about him. Him, we don't know his origins. We don't know what he's really about. But Tupac was having all kinds of problems at that time. Uh, financially, legally, obviously, they kept arresting him with, and I, I think that was part of their same strategy they used against the Panthers, the, what's called a, the harassment arrest strategy that was yeah. found in FBI documents. And what it turns out is, that, of course, that it was eventually found out that he had a, a miles-long rap sheet of uh, charges up and down the East Coast, according to Tupac's New York trial lawyer, Michael Warren, who got that rap sheet and uh, and all the charges were dismissed, and Michael Warren said that's a sure sign of a police intelligence agent. They just didn't realize how much US intelligence, you know, how many resources they would put into targeting Tupac. And all
1: I was doing was like, give me my proper etiquette. I got shy, I'm like, yo, what happened? Come see me in jail. Biggie all in the air to my ear pockets, my own book wound, but not seeing me. My old boy Stretch is going to Biggie's concerts. Mm -hmm. Niggas is like abandoning me. Mm -hmm. Niggas is just gonna act like I'm gonna just be in jail and they gonna give me shout outs and try to take my position. Mm -hmm. And if you watch, that's what Biggie did. Listen to his, I I, I was there and nigga, I trained the nigga, he used to be under me like my lieutenant, the nigga, I used to come in New York, I used to do shows and let the nigga come on before I did keep your head up and get around. Mm -hmm. Cause nobody knew the nigga in New York. Mm And I used to tell a nigga, yo, if you want to make your money, you got to rap for the bitches. Do not rap for the niggas. I told a nigga, don't rap for the niggas. Rap for the bitches. The bitches will buy your records and the niggas want what the bitches want. So all of a sudden, he changed from being, listen to party and bullshit. Listen to his style. He changed from that. A big pop, yeah, because of me. He had my album, Me Against the World was the second one. He had the first one. I changed everything because Ready to Die came out and it sounded like my album. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to be, he was supposed to be Thug Life. Mm-hmm. All while he was coming up, I used to let him come on stage with me. He was screaming Thug Life. Hey, because I thought like, like, I hate Canadian. Brooklyn, I hate New York, I'm out with them niggas, puppy cheating me. Woo, woo, woo. All of a sudden, he blew up and he wasn't saying Thug Life. Mm-hmm. So I started getting mad and I was seeing the niggas place He was hugging me, yo pop, yo, thank you he's the only nigga that woo But he and he told me like about a week before I got shot, he knew the nigga that was shot me and he was like, Pop, don't hang around this nigga, you know me, you know. How. We walked in with the nigga that shot me, and ended up shooting me. He's like, Pop, don't fuck with this nigga, because I knew the nigga too, he was my mm-hmm. co-defender. Code and uh, I was like, what you mean? He's like, I'll talk to you about it later, and we didn't talk. The ne- next time I saw him was at the studio where I got shot. So I knew he knew what happened. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Biggie, what happened? He kept sending me messages like a bitch, you know, like I'm gonna come see. You. No, nigga, what happened? While I'm in jail, strangers is telling me. Yo, you don't know? Biggie Homeboy shot you. So now they rapping against me, and you can imagine how I fucking feel. Mm-hmm. When, when I got arrested you, in New York, I got arrested for Biggie. Them guns in my room was Biggie's guns, because them cowards left the room when they heard the police was downstairs, and everybody left their guns in my room. So I got four guns in my room. Serial numbers scratched out, and I did not since I took that case, so you can imagine how I feel when I'm in jail for that case. and He out there living a mafia lifestyle, giving me no money, giving me no respect, giving me no tribute, rolling with my road dog who was there when I got shot. I mean, come on, man, I'm not paranoid. Mm-hmm. I'm not paranoid. No, no, Y'all niggas know what time it is. Yeah, I, w- I would say Pac always knew. I think he knew Big. see a lot of people get it confused when he knew Biggie didn't really do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. We knew Biggie wasn't a gangster. Yeah. You know what I mean? He probably come from the hood, but he wasn't built like that. But Pop was upset that word on the streets and even when he went in prison is that Biggie and them knew this was going to happen.
0: Had, uh, had knowledge of yeah, it. Yeah, they had
1: knowledge of it. And also word on the street is that they was going to try to take advantage. They thought Pac was going to get killed that, and they're going to drop this Who Shot Ya? Or they they was gonna want to be in the studio when Pac gets shot or killed and they're just going to help their careers. Mm. This is what Pac was getting fed. You understand? Mm-hmm. Now, um soon he gets shot, Biggie put out the song Who Shot Ya? Mm-hmm. And it sounded like it was aimed at Pac. So Pac in jail, like, man, something, It would just even if he didn't do it on purpose, it While was bad he, timing.
6: Yeah. So they were yeah. basically torturing him in jail, messing his head up. And then when he got out of jail, um... He, he was with Death Row Records who I argue and show evidence of that continued these tactics to mess his head up and uh... only when he was finally getting away from Death Row Records uh... did he get back into some of his activist lyrics and uh... he had started his own record company, his own film company and um... Had fired the real head of Death Row Records, a guy named Dave Kenner, a white lawyer and within nine days of firing him of course he was killed yeah. and um, now I argue that Uh, Death Row Records was a U.S. Intelligence Front Company. um, A high-level white Los Angeles police officer found dozens and dozens of his fellow police officers at all levels of Death Row Records. When he went to his superiors to ask what were they doing there, uh, they said you can consider them covert agents. And one of their goals was to aid in the murder of Tupac Shakur yeah. And of course they had some other goals also, which was partly to end the Bloods versus Crips peace truce. But on a grander scale, isn't it somehow, if you look at hip-hop today, what it's become, <laughs> wouldn't you say from your conclusion that it might be also... Is it actually a tool <laughs> to, um, to suppress black people in general? In the 80s, for example, you had groups like Public Enemy right. that were uh, putting out activist lyrics, you had uh, Boogie Trump Down Quest. Productions. Tribal Quest, yeah. all these Tribe Tribal Quest, yeah, I mean, you know, these are all these are groups that I liked a lot in the 80s and early 90s, and uh, I think the industry was taken over by the huge multinational corporations. The end of
7: 1994 is when I started officially working for Delphora Records. 94. 94. We had got intel that... Um, a few of the guys that was working for Death Row Records was planning on robbing and kidnapping Chook or holding them for ransom. And so we met, I remember the corner, we met at this dairy on the corner of Lone Beach and Murr, and, uh, which happened to be in Southside Crips area, <laughs> pretty much.
8: I insisted that they get real security,
7: uh-huh. real cops. <laughs> And and Shug was like, you know, he he rubbed it off, pretty much. I don't know if he believed it or not, but you know, knowing Shug, he just like, yeah, yeah. Well, I you know, I'll deal with that. I don't believe that. Um, but that's why y'all need to be over here watching my back anyway. Well,
8: this is what happened. I I I, I insisted they get real police
7: uh-huh.
8: because I didn't want to. I said. I, I just can't do this anymore. You know, it's just crazy. I come to the studio and there's all these guys and it doesn't doesn't feel like, you know.
7: And I was like, yeah, yeah, I want to do it. My father was like, oh man, half the guys is working for you. I'm trying to get them <laughs> on some cases myself. I'm not coming, you know, okay. I have no interest.
5: So your dad turned it down. Yes. But you did it. not.
7: I didn't turn it down. Uh, however, at that point, I wasn't the one, the main guy. Uh, my father suggested another lieutenant um, by the name of Danny Sneed.
8: So next time I go, there's real police.
7: And this and then at the El Ray Theater.
5: Well, when I went to death though, when I saw the first person get killed in front of me, that's when I realized this stuff is for real, man. These fuckers ain't playing around. Buddy. No, and, right. Yeah, El Rey Cedar, the the incident, L. Ray yeah, Theater. Yeah, but the I don't remember beat. any of the incidents. In that was the thing. dude that
6: got beat up so bad. Oh, he got.
5: I never seen. It. I mean, I I never saw anything like that in my life. But No, I mean they they they, they like they split his head open and it, it just the guts went. I mean his head and it just was like. whoa. Well, I was just like whoa. And then, but then the crazy thing was, the next day at Death Row, it back like nothing even happened.
7: And this company, Code Four uh, Security, was the uh, security company, and I had some disagreements with the way things were done and felt that they didn't do things that they should have done, and I decided at that point that I was gonna um, form my own security
5: company. Okay. And then Suge hired Right
8: Right. Way after it ends, I found out they were rampart guys.
7: Eventually, yes, he hired Right Way, uh, or I hired Right Way as
5: um, you know, the, the director or the chief of uh, security for Death Row. In 1995, there was a Source Awards.
3: Yeah, here. Mr. Warren G. Seen a
1: of girls. need to But you search up, with
3: First of all, I like to thank God. Second of all, I'd like to thank my whole entire Defoe family on both sides, you know what I'm saying? I like to tell Tupac to keep his guards up. We ride with him. And one other thing I'd like to say, any artists out there want to be an artist and want to stay a star and don't want to, don't want to have to worry about the executive producer trying to be all in the videos, all on the record, dancing. What? Come to Death Row. The
1: East Coast ain't got no love for Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and Death Row? Y'all don't love us. Y'all don't love us. Well, let it be known then. We, we know y'all East Coast. We know
2: we at East Coast and Yeah. When we rode, we rode together. And uh I think it was I was excited in the moment to be on the Source Awards and to be on the stage. And you know, he told me, come on up here with me. You know, come up. So, you know, I went up on stage with him and uh you know, it was, uh, it was mostly a bad boy death
7: row thing. But at that point, what he was doing, most people don't know, he and I had just got off a plane from signing the deal, and David Kenner, with Tupac, Shakur.
5: Now, you actually were with Shug when he started visiting Tupac in jail. Yes, I was. Okay, so, so describe, describe the first meeting that Shug had with Tupac in jail.
2: I don't know what the meeting was like, because the furthest I got was to the gate. So I had an opportunity to see the excitement of Pac coming to death row, you know, from Suge's eyes and from his mouth.
7: But all three to four times that Suge and David Kenner went up there, uh, I was there as well.
5: Okay, so were you actually sitting with Suge and Tupac? No, no, I, no, there? I stayed in, in the car. Okay. Yeah, you know, I didn't got go it. inside the prison. Got it. So since you were around while Suge was working out his deal with Tupac, one of the stories that you hear different sides of is that uh, Suge put up the bail money. Then another story is that the record label put up the bail money. Okay. In the movie, there's a scene where Tupac is calling Interscope Records to try to bail him out. And they, they front now him. Nah,
3: he's calling mm-hmm. about his braid. Okay. That's, you know what I mean? It's, it probably could have been developed a little bit more. But mm-hmm. they was basically trying to show how Pac was locked up old money. Remember, this man had the number one album while he was in prison, the first artist to ever do that. Yeah. You know, a million, a million sold back when a million scan was really a million records. Right. So that's between 13 and 20 million dollars that he had coming to him. You mean this man don't got the money to pay his own bail and it's only 1.3, 1.5 million dollars? Well, Doesn't make sense.
7: Um, his wife at the time reached out to Shub and just asked for Some money. Suge shot fifteen thousand dollars, put it on his books, and said, "Hey, here's fifteen thousand dollars. If you need anything, call me." That's when Tupac reached out to Suge and said, "Hey, come and see me." That's when they started talking, and Tupac was saying, "Hey, you know, they, you know, my record company is doing doing me wrong, which was Interscope. They, you know, they don't want no parts to deal with me."
5: Right, but but Suge has a deal with Interscope as well.
7: And a relationship, so I guess they, in their conversations, Jimmy was like, "Hey, you can deal with him. I'm tired. I'm tired of dealing with him." And that's when she was like, "Okay, we can make this happen. Hey, David, you think we can get him out on an appeal bond? What can we do?"
4: Complex said you were top twenty-five A&R of all time, um, and in the in the little synopsis they have of it, and they said although Jimmy Iovine and Suge Knight eventually move Gregory out of the picture by taking advantage of shakors and securities and dangling beats from Dr. Dre as a bait. Do you think that's an accurate account of how you guys working relationship ended or is that hip hop folklore which a lot no, of that's around so right? yeah, because this, that guy introduced uh interviewed me. Okay. So that was pretty close. Okay. Um you know the the folk the folklore is the bail. We're not going to get into that too deep. Okay. That's one thing I don't talk about. Um, I will talk about it, but I just don't generally talk about it. I never. I, what I will tell you is it's folklore. Okay. And I have the paperwork back there in the office. Wow. <laughs> you got to show it. We will take a picture. I got to see that. I got to see that. It's it's You know, it's it's literally 100 pages because it's it's part of his whole, um, the um, when he, he was released from jail, pending appeal. So, it's you know, I have the whole appeal package. Wow. And myself, maybe the lawyer, maybe the estate, are the only three people that have it. If maybe I'm the only person that has it, I don't know. Right. I mean, I've never asked. What do you remember the the last conversation you and podcast? Absolutely, yeah. Would you care to share? Is it too um, personal? No, I mean, you know, it was really very simple. It's like, do you want to call sugar? I'll have someone else call him. Hmm. Because I I want to when I get out, I want to sign. We should because I want want to do beats with Dre. You know, I want to do songs with Dre and Snoop. That's the only way I can do it. You can go with me or you don't have to. It's up to you. And I'm like, I don't see why you you have a number one record in the country right now. You're in jail. I get that. You know, I totally understand. We're working on that. But you have a number one record in the country. Why do you need to go somewhere else and do something with someone else? Yeah. That's, that's, That's tough. Yeah.
5: So back to the Source Awards. They go and, and do this presentation, you know, they do this performance of Murder Was The Case.
1: Yeah. I rock and stuff with my
7: if you look closely, they had it where they had each artist, when they were singing in their verse on the Murder <laughs> Was The Case soundtrack, mm-hmm. come out of the cage. You look closely in the cage to the far right, Tupac is in there, we got had, had a, a big picture of Tupac, and we had placed that picture of him inside of one of the cages. That was really Suge's way of letting people know that Tupac was now signed and was gonna be with Delphro. Okay. And that he had Tupac's back. And so he was starting his beef with Puffy then for, for Tupac. It was a power move for Suge. Suge was already
1: beefing before Tupac. It, this wasn't just Tupac and Biggie. Suge was trying to get at Puffy and trying to bully him like he
8: was bullying everybody else. You heard the Andre Harrell story. You heard you heard many stories. The Andre Harrell story? You didn't hear the Andre Harrell story a lot?
5: I guess the rumor was that Suge beat up Andre Harrell to get Jodeci out of their contracts. That's the rumor? That and more. So he wanted to sign Jodeci and Mary J. Blige, and he got them released. Yeah. From their contracts, and they signed with Shug's West Coast Management. Mm -hmm. As for Andre Harrell, he told Newsweek in March nineteen in in March of 1993 that he hired security services from the Nation of Islam. Yeah. After that situation.
8: Yeah, there was always security at Interscope too, you know, and um, they made sure that that they were uh, protected. Protected. Yeah.
5: Well, I mean, even not security. Even
8: what? And it, it wasn't just security that protected them too.
5: It was police. No. It, it was gangsters. Mm. Okay, there's a gang element. Yeah. Involved on the other side. That's right. As well. He he really was terrorizing the music industry. Yes, he
8: was. Now, I'm gonna tell you to some extent. Maybe for a while it was good for the industry, Can the industry really screwed up a lot of people for a long time. Yeah. You know she'll collect
5: on, on certain things
8: somebody came to regulate it and, and say hey, man This is unfair, right? But yeah. then he took it to another level, you know, but you know Shug fought for his artists, but there, There's there's a thing of fighting for them and then just thing of of you know Bullying touchable and bullying. Yeah. yeah, even you know, I heard I, I would hear a lot of stories and I Could hear you know a couple of times Jimmy saying just Shuk is a bad guy Just a bad dude. You don't want around. Interesting. Yeah. So
5: you think that led to ultimately uh, Dre going over with Jimmy directly because Suge was having a problem. Oh yeah. You know because Jimmy was having a problem with Suge, and then Dre started having problems with Suge. So Jimmy said, "Well,
8: everybody had a problem with Suge, you know." But it, it just it lasts for so long. You can do that, you know. And then after a while, just. People didn't want to deal with them anymore. Well, even, people, even, people started even.
5: separating themselves. Yeah. like you know, it just became unreachable. Yeah, was that headache? Well, I remember when I was working with SRC Records, uh-huh. who was part of they were part of Universal uh-huh. in New York, yes, uh, at seventeen fifty five Broadway. And I remember I walked into the security office. You know, they had like a security room with all the security guards, and there was a picture of Suge on the wall, and it said. Do not let in the building. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, apparently the story is a little bit hazy, but the, the security guards told me something to the effect of, I guess, Suge had threatened the the president of Universal, uh, Doug Morris, yeah. I guess, yeah, Doug. at the time. He had threatened Doug Morris, and he was not allowed in the building, and there was a security guy that would stand in front of our building every day. When Doug's car would pull up, he would escort Doug into the building, and then when Doug would leave, he would escort Doug into the car, and then he would leave. Like his job was to make sure that Doug yeah. got in and out of the Universal Building safely. That's right. And uh, it had something to do with the whole Shug thing.
8: Yeah, it
3: did. So- and I'm gonna tell y'all one thing that I know for a fact. And rest in peace, EZD. One thing about Eric. X told me one day. I thought. I thought Andre did all the music on the the beat. All right, whoop. You know what Eric told me? People sent our demos in. Andre redo them. We we redo the raps. Yeah. That's the song. All right. I took that same get out, so basically I took it from Easy. It did the same shit. I took it from Easy and took it to another level. All right. And guess what? Jimmy Iovine sent me to prison and stole it from me. Yeah. Have you ever seen a motherfucking CEO from a record company, all of a sudden be jointed to the hip with Andre, they dressing like, they doing headphones together, they doing headphones together, all for what? Universal money? Yeah. Have you ever in your life seen a person like Doug Morris give Puffy $35, $40 million to do an album, and guess what, Then they not label, not flop? Did none of the records do anything? Yeah. Did they not drop them because of that? Yeah. So how did the fact that Jimmy Iovine, who's Doug, morris protege turn around and give puppy the same deal for the same amount of money yeah, and guess what shit, sure. Death block. You know one thing about me. i don't care any n- hollywood any n- on the streets especially hollywood rappers yeah we can get our paperwork yeah see what all we ever been arrested for Mom,
6: i guarantee man, you there's never
3: been nothing for me but straight real s- and violence ain't no t- you ain't snitching no, no, i don't i ain't never in my life told you you'll have a 90 mother- walked down the street and said sugar knight like, killed Tupac. <laughs> well everybody know off the top, I ain't the nigga killed Tupac, I'm the n protecting Tupac. Yeah. But at the same time, bitch ass puffy can give him a mother star. And sh- every rat in the world said he didn't want to kill Tupac. Yeah. Or had him shot. Yeah. You get know what I mean? But if you notice, it was a rat on television saying he the one did the shooting, this happened, that happened, this happened, that happened, right? Right. If you think about it, right? Right. Why you think nobody been arrested if they said they didn't the want to kill Tupac?
5: So they do this, uh, you know, this performance, the Source Awards. And there's a picture of Pac, as you say, in the, in the, in the jail cell.
7: That's when and he was signed. Most people don't know. The deal was executed.
5: Yeah, he was already signed and at that
7: point. And I mean, Pac knew he was on his way home.
5: Yeah. On the appeal bond. So Suge gets presented, you know, the label of the year award. Yeah. He gets on the mic and he basically disses Puffy. Correct. You guys go to the tunnel afterwards? Correct. And then Puffy and Shug run into each other?
7: They didn't run it, well, yeah. They, I mean, we went to the tunnel knowing that they were going to be there. Yeah. But they came over, Puffy talked to him. You know, people around not know what the conversation was, so it, it seemed to be tense. But, you know, Puffy, Shug.
3: <laughs> I really couldn't believe it because homeboy, me and him, were, were, were friends.
7: But th- at that day, it was tense. Everybody was talking. And but Sugar and Puffy were cool at one point. I've been over with Sugar at Puffy' office, but we've missed planes where they want to talk.
3: In In yeah, yeah, he would wow. pick me up from the airport. Wow, you know, I've never and, heard this before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we got to break some news here. He picked wow. me up from the airport, the whole entire thing. And um, so to make a long story short.